And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Luke Smith, good afternoon. Mate, how are we? Good to be in. It's uh, always super good to have a Friday roll around, isn't it? <sighs> yeah. Thank God. So it seems to have come quickly <laughs> again, too, you know. It's I always, every other day's Friday for me, I blink and I'm back in here. Looking at your smiling face. So, yeah. Oh, you're being you're being way too polite now. We we all know I've got a perfect face for radio. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not Robinson Caruso there. Trust me. <laughs> okay, today we're going to be talking yep. about what is income protection and why is it vital. Now, I think yep. I think the answer there is in the question. It's income protection. That's yeah. why it's vital. Yeah, that's right. So we're going to start a bit of an insurance series. So we, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to focus on some key things and sort of the debunk a few myths and, and, and point out to people what different cover does and we'll start with income protection because for me this is this is the must have. This for me is the the equivalent of you've just got your licence at eighteen and mum and dad say you've got to insure the car. Mm-hmm. Now they're not insuring the car because they're worried about your ability to drive or you or your car. They're worried about you hitting somebody with a new Ferrari. <laughs> yes. Right? Let's let's all be fair about that one. Um, and this is exactly the same. Your greatest asset that you have over your working life is your ability to generate an income. And whether we like it or not, and I think COVID has pointed out the importance and the reliance on our income over the last 12 months, because yeah. unfortunately some sectors were impacted far more than others, it's pointed out and highlighted to a lot of people that, wow, I really need this. And at a moment's notice my ability to work and earn could be taken from me. So we're going to cover off today some of the key things to consider, how it works, some options that you have, and sort of just make people aware that it's a great way to get a tax deduction because without it, you're going to pay income tax on wages. If you have income protection, the premium is generally tax deductible at your marginal rate or at the super fund rate, depending on how you own it. But why not have something that you're getting a deduction for if you're going to lose your money in tax anyway. Mm. I'd rather get something for my spend than contribute to nice roads and green grass at Parliament House. Oh, no, we, we like our nice roads and our <laughs> yeah, we green do, grass at Parliament House, but at the point. same time, uh, we only want to pay our fair share, don't Correct. we? Correct, exactly right, exactly. exactly right, fair share. Okay, so <laughs> what exactly, I mean, the, like I said before, yep. the, the name is a pretty big yeah. clue, what is income protection okay. and how does it work, but there are some specific nuts and bolts about how this actually works, aren't there? Yeah, correct. So generally speaking, you can secure up to 75% of your gross income, and that is salary and superannuation as what you would call your package value. Right. You can hold income protection in your own name. You can also hold income protection through super, depending on the fund that you're in, or you can have a hybrid of part in your name and part in super. Now, there are pros and cons to all of the options there. Generally speaking, if you're looking to maximise the tax efficiency of the policy, you'd hold it in your own name. Because in most instances, people's marginal tax rate could be 34, 39, 49, whatever bracket you're at, Yeah, that's more than 15% in super. Yes. So from a tax perspective, it's better in your own name. If you can't afford it in your own name, then super is better than not having it at all. Now, the downside of that is a superannuation-based contract is not the same as a contract in your own name. And it's really important that people understand that the bang and for buck and the quality of the definitions in somebody's own name are far, far superior 
to that of a policy held through superannuation. So you see it in some super funds as a default option. Okay. But when you look under the hood at the quality and the inclusions and the ways that you can be paid, a superannuation-based contract is far inferior to one in your own name. So it's important that people understand that initial distinction because you're not getting two apples that are the same. Okay. Um, and it's very important that you consider how you hold the contract to one, maximise the tax efficiency of it, but two, to then understand what you're actually covered for because they're not the same. All right. So in that case, why would uh, why would you choose the lesser of the options? Well, I, I generally say if you can't afford it in your own name, mm-hmm. putting it through super is better than having nothing. Okay. There's also now a super linking strategy where you can have probably 70% of the policy held through superannuation and around 30% of the definitions held outside of superannuation. And the reason that you may consider that option is, one, you can fund a lot of the premium using superannuation if you want to focus on paying down your mortgage, paying school fees or whatever your commitments are. But the second key benefit is that a lot of the benefits under that super linking strategy are not offered under a superannuation contract. So I'll give you an example. Let's say I go outside, trip over and break my arm, okay? Under a contract in your own name, there's a benefit called specified injury. Right. Okay, and it will pay you for a multiple of months immediately with no waiting period at your sum insured. So if let's say I earn $100,000, my contract might be $6,250 a month, which is 75% of $100,000 monthly. Mm -hmm. I trip over, break my arm, I get $6,250 paid immediately. If I break my leg, I get two times $6,250. Now, take it a step further. If I have a crisis event, let's say I had a heart attack, the income protection contract will pay me six months of my wages immediately on diagnosis without a waiting period. Now, that benefit is not available through a superannuation-owned policy because having a heart attack is not a condition of release to get your money out of super. Right. And this is where the technicality and the finesse comes into what do I need, where do I own it, how do I pay for it, and importantly, what am I covered for? Because all cognac is brandy, not all brandy is cognac, if I've got that (laughs) around the right way. You have. And that's a good example, right? Mm. So understand what you need, understand how you're going to hold it. The other key considerations for income protection are has my income changed? If it's gone up, review your cover. What's my waiting period? Two variables, two key variables in the price, because a lot of people say, well, that's great, but how much does it cost? Income protection is an occupationally based cover. Okay. So the cost to be a radio host may be different to a bricklayer, may be different to a fighter pilot, may be different to a marine biologist, may be different to a financial planner. So depending on your occupation and your qualifications, that can have a direct impact on the premium. You then select a waiting period. When do I want to start getting paid? Now, if you've just started a job and you don't have any savings, you might be in trouble after one month. So a 30-day waiting period could be appropriate. If you've got three or $400,000 in your offset account, then you can look to have a 90-day waiting period or more mm-hmm. depending on what your situation requires. Right. So you price the policy on what you do. You then consider how long you want to wait before you're paid. The next consideration is how long do I want to be paid? Now, you can have a benefit period most of the time through super, two years and five years. 
you can actually have a policy that will pay you right up to age 65 if you didn't have the ability to go back to work. Mm-hmm. Now, another important consideration is people need to keep in mind that it's not all or nothing. Let's say I have a car accident and I can only work two days a week, but then I'm too tired. Yes. You can receive your wages on Monday and Tuesday, and then what you've lost on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, the income protection contract can subsidise on what they call a partial claim basis. Right. So you can work from full-time to no ability at all and anywhere in between, and a good income protection contract will give you a partial benefit to get you back to work. There are also a range of other lump sum options that you can take advantage of through a policy that people wouldn't consider. We talked about specified injury and crisis. Uh, A rehabilitation benefit is built into a good retail contract where they'll pay 12 times your monthly benefit, or in that example before, 12 times 6,250 to cover the cost of rehabilitation once it's approved. So not only do they keep food on the table, keep mortgages paid and, and, and keep you whole from a cash flow perspective, but they also then help to subsidise some of the rehabilitation costs that you could incur in getting back to full-time employment. So for me, income protection, taking into account all of that and the ability to claim 100% of the premium as a tax deduction yes, is a lay-down misere in relation to what do I want to do to secure my, my planning future? This one is, is, is the first cab out of the rink. Now, I'm going to take a stab in the dark here and uh, and just put this out there. I'm, I'm going to have a shot at this, but I have a sneaking suspicion that if, for example, you just spit the dummy and quit your job in frustration and rage, you're not going to be covered. Is that right? Spot on. And, and we saw this through COVID, right? So people will ring up and say, oh, I want to claim on my policy because I've been laid off because of COVID. Now, An income protection contract, the basis of an income protection contract is, do you have the ability to perform your occupation? Right. And my answer to most things during COVID was, have you got COVID? Yes, I have. I can't work. Sure. Here, let's organise a payment. If you've been made redundant because of COVID, your ability to perform your occupation hasn't changed. Okay. It's like getting made redundant or quitting right. and spitting the dummy and leaving. Okay, Obviously, so, so even getting made redundant is not covered? No, because it, it, it's generally not perceived as your ability to okay. perform your occupation. All right, so, so if, if I get retrenched, I'm in big trouble. Correct, and that's the case across the board. Okay. Um, income protection is there for I'm medically unable to do it, I've been in a car accident, I'm Tiger Woods, I roll off a cliff. Yes. I, I now can't swing a golf I shouldn't, club. I shouldn't laugh, but that, that was quite bizarre, that, wasn't that's it? That's amazing. It's, it's, you know, for someone who's the, one of the greatest athletes ever, it's... Yeah. Yeah. I'm just... Yeah, and thankfully, he's, he, you yeah. know, he survived, yeah. but he's obviously going to be out of action for, for a while. For someone yeah. who needs their legs, yeah, exactly. um, it's, it's, it's there to say, right, he, obviously he doesn't need it, but <laughs> um, it's, it's, there's a good example of something freaky happens yes. and you can't work and you've got a mortgage to pay, kids' school fees, food and everything else. It's, yeah. it's something that I find people have never given me the money back, put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> is, is there any, just out of, out of curiosity, is there any form of insurance that would protect you against redundancy and retrenchment? Not that I'm aware of, no. Okay. no. Um, so it's still a cold, hard, uncaring world out there. Potentially it is, <laughs> yes, very much so. In, indeed. So what should people consider uh, when they're uh, looking at income protection and yep. uh, how do you know how much is enough? Well, great great question. So this is something that I find as, as well, it's put in place and then not reviewed. 
and people okay. can have salary increases, they can change occupations, they can have pay rises, they can become more qualified and see their remuneration increase. Make sure that you're checking the value of your cover against your ability or your salary at the time because if you're covered for far less than you're earning, you may have a rude shock coming when you do need to claim. Check your waiting period because you may have taken the policy out when you didn't have any cash. Five, ten years down the road, you've paid off your house, you've got heaps in the offset account, you may be able to extend the waiting period to lower the premium, lower the waiting period, or longer the waiting period, lower the premium. So review this sort of stuff. Um, Make sure you've got it held correct in the correct structure. So if you need a tax deduction, don't hold it through super. If you want the best possible available contract with all the definitions and inclusions, don't have one through super. Um, I guess the biggest misconception I have is people come in and go, oh, I'm in a government fund, this contract's good. And I show people a comparison between a retail contract and the income protection through, say, uh, a government super fund, and it's a reason that it costs you $100 a year. I'm yet to find anything in life that is fantastic and extremely, extremely cheap. Um, This in life is one of the things that the quality and the devil is in the detail, and you get what you pay for. So understand your waiting period, understand your benefit period, look at the structure that you're going to hold it in, make sure that you have the right occupation class. If you've changed jobs and you've gone from being a bricklayer to working in an office and you're still paying bricklayer occupation class, Mm -hmm. you're robbing yourself of premium savings. Right. So make sure that your occupation class is relevant to what you're doing. And when you're um, setting the value in the first place, you're talking about 75% of your regular income. But uh, what if you're a person who has uh, irregular income? You get, make wildly different amounts of money in different years. So what, what generally happens in that instance is, uh, say you work in a contract environment, you had one year you've had 80, one year you've had 120, one year you've had 60, one year you've had 200. Mm-hmm. What they'll do is they'll average it over your financials. So as part of the application process, it's very important that you understand what you're paying for. Yeah. Something off the telly may not be underwritten at the time that it's taken out and it may be underwritten at the time of claim. So I've always said to people, if it's harder to get, it's always easier to claim on. So they'll take two or three years of your financials, it's financially underwritten at the time of application and the company that's going to issue the insurance to you will come back and say, right, taking into account the financials you've provided, we're happy to insure you for X. Mm-hmm. And they'll generally average that over a number of years because some will include bonuses, they want to see some payments of uh, regular bonuses and they'll add that back into your base wage where it's consistent. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's a financial discussion with the insurance company so that you're very clear on, right, I've proven this. And that's very important because the legislation changed last year where the government took away what they called an agreed value policy, which said you prove your income at the, in the year it's taken out and regardless of what you earn in the future, as long as you pay that premium, we'll pay you that amount of money. Right. Now, the government stopped those for some reason. It's beyond me why you do it, but they've they've said, right, you can't issue an agreed value policy from the 1st of July, 2020, and now we have what's called an indemnity contract, which says, what did you earn in the last 12 months at the time of claim? So to your question, if your income's up, down, and all around, and you've got an indemnity-based policy, at the time of claim, they say one of two things. What did you earn in the last 12 months prior to claim? Or what did you earn in a 12-month period in any of the three years prior to claim? And again, COVID's been a good example of that. You may have had a pay cut because of COVID. Yeah. But the year prior, you were on 150. This year, you weren't 100 because of COVID. 
you then go to claim on your policy. You want the best possible pre-definition, the pre-disability definition available to ensure that you're getting what you're paying your premium for. So understanding the terms of your contract, I think, is probably the most important thing people can do and, and, and review what you need because your situation is always evolving and changing. Indeed. And, of course, in this half hour, I'm joined in the studio by Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Today, we're talking about what is income protection and why is it vital. So, Luke, what are the key strategic considerations and things to remember with income protection? Yep. So if I had to make a list, and let's just say I've made one. Um, <laughs> I'm looking no, at it right now. Know your inclusions. Know your inclusions, know your benefits, because superannuation contract is going to be vastly inferior to a policy in your own name. And I'm yet to meet anybody that is upset about having too much money after an accident Mm. and saying that they don't need it. Um, So know your inclusions, know your definitions. Understand your waiting period and your benefit period. Check that out because when you took the policy out, your situation and financial means may be vastly different than, than back then. Understand your benefit period. Um, understand the pre-disability definitions. Are you paid 12 months prior to claim? Are you paid the best 12 months in the three years prior to claim? Understand what the definition is because that's where a, some horrible surprises can occur because you thought something and it wasn't so. Um, review your monthly benefit. So if your income has increased, check and see that your income is 75% and, and you've got the correct benefit. So if you earn $100,000, you can cover 6250 a month. If you earn $80,000, that's $5,000 a month, being 75% of 60 grand. So check and see what your monthly benefit is and then measure it against your income. And a really quick way to do that is take your monthly benefit, multiply it by 16, and that should be the income that you're on at the moment. If it's not, then you're underinsured. If you're covered for too much, and you're not earning that at the moment, check your definitions because depending on how they assess your pre-disability income, you may be paying for something that you're not going to get. If you're newly self-employed, speak to somebody about getting a contract or if you're thinking about changing occupations, make sure that you've got cover in place in a superior occupation class because an admin job is generally cheaper than a bricklayer. So know your occupation class, um, understand how your policy is owned, who's paying the premium and who's claiming the tax deduction. Because if you've got to take some money out for tax or for a premium, I'd rather be paying for something that secures my ability to feed my family, pay my car, pay my mortgage, than pay tax and effectively get nothing. Although we all like paying our fair share, as we said earlier. (laughs) I didn't say we like it. No, I didn't say we like it either, but I think we've got to do something for something, so... Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh, we we do pay our fair share. That's yes, right. very much. So. Uh, all right. So where do we go for more yep. information? So if you're unsure, you want it, you need it, you want to check it, you want to sharpen the premium because you know I had one last week. There was a, a six thousand dollar difference over a twelve month period. So it pays to review what you've got because premiums do change. And at the moment, we've seen some crazy rates of indexation um, and some base premiums increased by some companies. So six two six zero four seven four nine. Um, call the girls, make an appointment. We've got envisionfinancial.com.au. We've got the Knowledge Centre where there's a raft of information on this sort of stuff. Uh, we've got the podcast, The Strategy Stacker, Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify. And more importantly, we've got the YouTube channel where you can watch the show uh, on your phone, pause it. We've got the key takeouts before and after the break. 
um, and you can subscribe to that so that you don't miss any new notifications that we upload there. So, You know, um, these days you, you can use your smart TV to watch YouTube. You mm. can relax and enjoy the comfort of your lounge chair. You, mm. don't, you don't have to watch it on your phone. Well, you can watch it. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly right. So it's, it's, it, it amazes me where people call me and say, oh, I watch... I watch the show on YouTube or I listen to the podcast here and I've, I've never even heard the town they're from. So it's, it's, yeah. it's very humbling. Fantastic stuff. Luke Smith, we'll catch you again next Friday. See you next Friday.